So we just want to welcome all those tonight on live stream, those that couldn't be with us, those listening on YouTube. And we trust too that this word is going to totally transform your life. My journey, many of you know that, so I don't want to bore you with that again. But for those that don't know, I grew up as a PK, a pastor's kid. My life was turned upside down at 12 when my father, who had been in an affair for about a year, uh, left our house, left five kids and his wife, and we never saw him again. Till the day, oh, never saw him again. He passed away a year or two ago. That's, that's my life story as a child growing up, battling the concept of a father that would love but then would abandon, battling with the concept of rejection and dealing with all those things that shape a young man, a young boy. And uh, when you're young and as a child, you don't have a grid for what's going on. You don't realise that profound experiences shape the way you think and then not only do they shape the way, the way you think, but they then begin to draw those experiences into your life. So if you're shaped by rejection and pain, you begin to re draw rejection and pain into your world. Your world is then filtered through the pain that you accumulate. You're not able to decipher what's true and what's not true. And unfortunately, back in those days, a lot of people in the church really didn't have a concept of the Father's heart and how to heal a heart, the power of, of the transformation of a soul. And so the, the grid for that wasn't around. And so someone would pray for you if, if you were lucky and wish you all the best and, and say, I'll see you at church next week. So there was no grid for transformation. Praise God, we're in an age now where there is a grid for transformation of the heart, where God is healing people and making them whole. And if my life is nothing else, it's a story that God can take broken, wounded people and so transform them that they become a resource to transform other people. David, King David was a man that was very wounded as a young man. He was rejected by his father. He was, he was alienated from the rest of his family. But God chose to take that young man and so transform his life that not only would he be the, the writer of the Psalms that would heal generations that followed him their emotions but he was a man that would go in a cave with broken disenfranchised young men and so become a mirror to them that their lives were turned upside down and they became a group of people called David's mighty man amen and so I want you to, to know tonight as you hear my voice that no matter what you've been through not, no matter what has shaped your wor world the power of the love of the father is so powerful that he can transform your world and take you from a broken person to someone that becomes a foundation and a rock for this generation. Amen? Amen. You don't have to stay broken and wounded. Isn't that exciting? You say, but you don't know me. You don't know my story. And I would say that's true. But I know Jesus and I know his story. So God gave me a text, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, as, as like a text for my life. And, and it's the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship or the partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And God began to unveil to me that the way, this is the way that the Holy Trinity works in the life of a believer to take them from a place of brokenness to a place of empowerment. This is, I believe, the message that God has for the world today, that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are actively in, at work in your life to take you from a broken person to a powerful person. And so this is what the Lord began to unveil to me, that th these are the three stages. I'm not going to go into all them tonight, but this is how the Lord works in the life of a believer. The first thing we come to is a revelation of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he identified with us so we could identify with him. This is the realm of the spirit where God renews our spirit and we become born again. We become a saved son. We are welcomed into the family. Amen? Amen. That we were sinners, we were broken, and it's the grace of Jesus that transforms us from broken people and people that our spirits are dead to Christ and we become alive to him. 
And so that's a powerful stage that if you don't know Jesus, that's the first thing you need to do is to be identified in him, that your spirit comes alive to him. And most people here tonight, I would assume, are born again. Their spirits are alive to God. But see, that's where the church has stopped. And so we have a whole lot of people born again, but broken and, and, and messed up. And, and we'll find as we go on tonight that we bring a whole lot of pain into our walk with the Lord. So we get saved. Jesus is Lord of our life, but we're broken inside. And, we're, and because we're broken, we react rather than respond. We have this pain and we don't know what to do with it. So it wrecks relationships. It, it influences the way we see ourselves and we see the world. It influences what comes into our life, what we attract in our world. Our brokenness becomes like, like a, uh, it, it's like a, pus, a pussy sore that then begins to attract, flies, as it were, into our life. And we don't know why these, it's like a, a cycle of pain in our life. And this is what I discovered. I was born again at a young age of probably six or seven years old, but there were brokenness in my life and it continued to attract a cycle of pain in my life and a way of thinking. So the second thing that happens is we're introduced to the love of the Father. The grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of our Father. Jesus identifies with us and now we, we come into a relationship with the Father where he begins to change our identity the way we see ourselves and the way that we see him. This is a realm of the soul where we become, I call this a safe son. I'm going to show you what a safe son is tonight. It's a very powerful thing. From that place of safety, it becomes our foundation that all of life functions from. This is, we are welcomed into the family business of wholeness. Watch the church trafficking. Our family business is dispensing wholeness to a world that's broken, where they are attracted to us because there is this powerful degree of wholeness. You know what it's like. I know what it's like. We are attracted to people that when there's a crisis, when there's challenges, they are rock solid. There's this dependability that they're not changed by the shifting sands because they have come to a place of deep identity in who they are and who he is. Amen? Amen. And then the third stage is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit or communion with the Holy Spirit. And that's where our life goes from being inward focused to outward focused. The partnership of the Spirit is where he takes saved, saved sons and he sends them to a world that is in need of a saviour, where we become his ambassadors. And, and don't mistake me, I'm not saying that the Holy Trinity aren't, aren't operating in each one of those areas because obviously the Holy Spirit dispenses the love of God in our heart. But the, the Trinity choose to be known in these three categories as stages in our life. We need to understand that. See, the Father knows that our lifestyle before we're born again has left us damaged. We're born again, but our soul needs to be made whole. And so what happens is in his presence and in the washing of the word, his love is then internalized inside us so we become safe sons. Don't, don't miss what I'm saying now. Through encounters with the Holy Ghost and through the mirror of his word, his love becomes internalized inside us. Say internalized. internalized. So not, not just here, but it goes from something that's abstract, it becomes internalized inside us. So I become a safe son. I now begin to think like a son and daughter of the king. I discover that I'm both a saved son and now I'm a safe son. I'm welcomed into the family and now I'm participating in the family business of wholeness. So I want you now to turn with me to Isaiah 54. And we're going to unpack this. Isaiah 54 is a powerful scripture. It's written 53 and 54. 700 years before Christ is crucified, Isaiah sees the crucifixion of Jesus in Isaiah 53. And in Isaiah 54 is the revelation of the new covenant and the Father's disposition towards every one of his children. Isn't that exciting? Isaiah saw this 700 years before. 
That's a pretty good prophecy, isn't it? I see in 700 years' time that Jesus will come and die on the cross. And then I see that the whole way he relates to mankind is going to shift forever. Amen. So here we go. Isaiah 54. Sing, barren woman. You who have never born a child, burst into song and shout for joy. You who are never in labor. So that's God's promise to us tonight. We can sing and rejoice because we have a promise that God is going to transform us from broken people to whole people, from uh, people that lack to people that have, from people that are powerless to people that are powerful. Amen. It's a promise here tonight. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than the one, who ha than the one of her has a husband, says the Lord. He's saying that in this new covenant, there's going to be a, a release of fruitfulness and power and transformation that the old covenant could never fulfill. Verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will, say, I will. You will spread out. How many people have been spreading out lately? <laughs> to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dis dispossess nations and settle in the desolate cities. God's promise to us when we come into the kingdom, no matter how much heartache and pain we have been through, is this, that God is going to bless us. He will not diminish us. He will prosper us. He will enlarge us and increase us in every area of our life. When we come into the kingdom, it can feel like I'm never going to get a breakthrough. I'm always going to be stuck. I'm always going to be in these thought patterns. I'm never going to progress. But Isaiah starts this prophetic word with a promise from God that your days ahead will be greater than any ever, ever before, that you will enlarge, that you will not be held down by bondage and brokenness anymore. You will progress. You will enlarge. You will not diminish. Are you hearing me? And for so many Christians, they get caught in a time warp where they get stuck in their pain and they don't progress, they don't enlarge, they don't increase because of this thought pattern, this mindset that the Father's love wants to heal and set you free. He wants to change your identity from someone that doesn't belong, that someone doesn't feel worthy, to someone that is a child of God, worthy of Father's affection, knowing that He's for you and not against you, knowing that He accepts you, and knowing that no weapon that's formed against you shall ever prosper. Yes. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated, for you will forget the shame of your youth. No matter what you've been through tonight, God said, I'm going to heal all the pain of your life. I'm going to take away the shame of where the enemy said you failed, you didn't measure up, people abandoned you. I'm going to take away all the shame that the enemy's put upon you. I'm going to remove it and you're going to be whole and free. Amen. He says that. You will not be humiliated. You will forget your disgrace. I know the feeling of feeling ashamed and feeling disgrace because of what people have done in my life and what I've done in my life and feeling like I've messed up, that I could never achieve what God wanted for me, that the things that I had in my heart had been taken away from me. And Isaiah says, you're going to forget your disgrace, forget your shame. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the reproach of your widowhood. He's talking to Israel who'd been stuck under the law for 1,700 years and ingrained in You think you've got problems. Israel had been ingrained in a way of thinking as a widow for 1,700 years because of their rebellion, because of their pain, because of their choices. And, and Isaiah is saying, those days are over. Yeah. Come on. He says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of the whole earth. If you want to do your own study in verse 5, God gives us seven names that he wants to be to us as we are transformed into his image. Verse 6, he says, The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife des deserted and distressed in your spirit. You're like a wife that is distressed in spirit. A wife who married young, only to be rejected. Israel had been, as I said, 1,700 years, suffering under the law. It says here, 
rejected and distressed. They chose to live in their strength of their soul rather than in the power of the spirit. It resulted here in barrenness and this deep sense of abandonment. You know, our spirit is created to receive Father's love and to communicate with him. And what happened at the fall is that our spirit became dead. And so what happens as a result of sin, our soul, which has to be fed, then turns itself outwards to find reality. Don't miss this. When your spirit man is dead, it no longer can commune with the Father. So Israel, who were dead to God, their spirit is no longer receiving affirmation and information from the Father each day, like Adam and Eve in the garden. And so what happens is when our spirit is dead, our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, it must be fed by a source. So it turns itself outwards and it begins to look for outward information to feed itself and to give itself a sense of identity. So whenever our spirit is dead, we seek affirmation, information from outside sources who may or may not be good. Israel was distressed in spirit. They saw themselves rejected and abandoned. And looked outward and all it found was an inferior identity. And so that's the story of many of our lives because we don't know how to communicate spirit to spirit with the Father, particularly for those that haven't been born again or for young children who haven't developed a, a way of communicating with God or don't know how to, what happens is external forces begin to shape the way we think and the way we feel. And so we don't realize that we're accumulating all these things in our life until we become broken and in pain. Verse 7. So Isaiah says, For a brief moment I abandon you. But with deep compassion, with tender feelings of love, I will bring you back. Did you hear that? He says, for a brief moment. See, to God, isn't it interesting, 1,700 years was a brief moment. That may give you some idea why some of your prophetic words take so long. He says, for a brief moment, I abandon you. Why did it? So really what happened was that Israel turned their back on God and said, we'll do it our own way. And so there was this sense of abandonment that came. But he says, I will bring you back with deep compassion. He says, in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. See, Romans tells us that the law brings wrath. For where there's no law, there's no transgression. So the reason that God was angry at them, not because he's an angry God, but the law enacts the wrath of God. Before the law came, God was not angry. Abraham and all his family, they could do what they like, it seemed, and God wasn't angry. As soon as the law came and man broke it, the anger of God was aroused. God was not angry at them. It was the law that aroused the anger. But anyway, we'll continue on. I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. For a moment. That's the old covenant. It seemed like God was angry and distant from mankind, but he says, but with everlasting kindness. Do you see what he's saying? For a little moment, you felt abandoned and that I was angry, but now with everlasting, say everlasting, everlasting. with everlasting kindness, everlasting kindness, that's the disposition of God. I will have compassion on you. I will have tender mercies upon you. For a brief moment, it seemed like I was angry, but now with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. Amen. Verse 9, it says, To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. Now, God's talking about Noah. He says, So now I have sworn... God makes an oath, and when God makes an oath, it can never be reversed. Do you know that? When God says, I have sworn, he's saying, this will never, ever finish. So the rainbow in the sky is, is a sign to all of us 
that the earth will never be flooded again. And if, if the earth is flooded again, God would blow up. He would cease to exist because he has nailed his character and, and his, his good name to the fact that he said, as long as the earth remains, I will never, ever, ever flood the earth. And this sign in the sky when you see the rainbow is a picture to you that I promise that I will never flood the earth. And so he says here, this new covenant is like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn I will never be angry. That word means condemn. I'll never be angry and condemn you again. I will never, ever rebuke you again. My friends, this is the most important oath in all of the Bible, but most Christians don't know it exists. The devil knows that once this oath is established in your life, it's all over for him. In Isaiah 54, it tells us that God has established a new covenant. He's made us righteous before him. We are now, as I shared last week, we are now seen in Christ Jesus, that when God looks at us, he sees us through the sun. Remember I shared last week about Noah's ark, that we are the, the ark is a picture of you and I, the wood representing fallen humanity, and he covers it with tar on the inside and the out. Tar is a picture of the mercy seat, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. So when God looks at us at the ark, he sees the ark through the, the, the tar on the outside. He cannot see the wood because it's covered in tar. And so when he looks at us, he can't see us for the sun. He sees the sun and not us. We are covered in Christ Jesus. You need to understand. So on the outside of the wood is tar. On the inside of the wood, there was tar as well. So when Noah looked out, he didn't see his fallen humanity. He saw the tar. When God looked down, he didn't see fallen humanity. He saw the tar. We are in Christ Jesus. And that's what caused the boat to float above all the judgment because we are in Christ Jesus. And when you get established in your heart this oath that God says that you are in Christ Jesus, you are in him, you are righteous, you are established, I will always treat you like I treat my son. Even in your darkest hour, I see you perfect, pure and holy and forgiven. And this is the oath that God made. And not only are you righteous now, I promise that my disposition towards you is this. I will never, ever be angry with you. I will never condemn you. I will always accept you. I will never reject you. I am your loving Father. And you need to get that so internalized in your heart. He is for me and not against me. And he makes his oath because he knows that we're broken and that we're in pain and that, and that our earthly fathers and mothers, as good as they could be, even the best ones are a flawed model of what the father is. And that's why it's so important for parents that you become the best you can be as a father and mother. So you mirror the heart of the father and the son and the spirit. So as your children grow up, they have this they have this established in their life. But many of us have not got that. So God makes an oath because he knows that we're so broken and that we need to be healed. And we need something that is so sure. And he says, I put a rainbow in the sky. And now I've put a rainbow around the throne. Do you know that? There's a rainbow in the sky, but Revelation 4 says there's a rainbow that encircles in circles. It's an emerald rainbow encircling the throne. I don't want to read through all this tonight, but in Revelation 4 verse 2, it says there are three colors that emanate from the Father. It's really interesting because these colors, they, they emanate the emotions of God and the ways of God. So whenever you see colors and God, he's given us an understanding of how he thinks and feels. And one of these colors is, is, the, is jasper, which is, which is a diamond, and it, it radiates glory and truth. And then you've got sardius, which is like the ruby that emanates his fiery passion and judgment. So God judges everything that's not love. And his, his fierce 
determination to transform us and everything that doesn't belong, everything can be shaken, will be shaken. So emanating out of the throne is the truth of God and the justice of God and the judgment of God in a right way. Judgment is not the anger of God. It's, it's judging all that is not true. And it comes out of the throne. But, but right around the throne is this emerald rainbow and so what it's showing us that it's always measured through mercy that whenever God comes to our life and he's changes and transforms us it's always embraced with the heart of mercy and love and tenderness towards us and he's saying to us there's an oath I've made with you that I'll never be angry I'll never come against you I'm always for you and like the rainbow in the sky you need to understand I put a rainbow around my throne so whichever way I look the north the south the east the west underneath me above me I see mercy and tender kindness towards you the tender mercies of God every morning the Bible says in Psalms his faithfulness and his tender mercies are towards us so he puts his oath right before his eyes and he says I'll never be angry at you I'll always be for you I'll never reject you I've always got your back David said in Psalm 18.35, it's your gentleness that makes me great. Isn't that amazing? The all-powerful God creates the heaven and the earth. The one that will come and judge all that's wrong. He says, Lord, but it's your gentleness that makes me great. Verse 10 says of Isaiah 54, though the mountains be shaken, say shaken. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love, my heart of steadfast, faithful love, will not be shaken, nor will my covenant of peace, that word peace is shalom, which is peace, prosperity, success, wholeness, well-being. I'll never remove that from you, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Listen, he says, my heart of steadfast love will not be shaken. For you will not be shaken. I'll say it again. My heart of steadfast love for you will not be shaken. I'll say it again. My heart of steadfast love for you will not be shaken. In my book, I wrote about this fact that when a child is born and as it grows, the ones that receive constant love and affirmation and affection... They have an amazing perception of themselves. And as we affirm them and we love them and we care for them, they, they draw from this a foundation of safe memories. And when times are stressful, they are able to draw from those and, and, and actually they tell us they can self-soothe through that. Even babies can do that. The more we affirm them, love them, cuddle them, speak love over them, whenever there's a crisis, the ones that have been loved were able to self-soothe. The ones that hadn't been loved, they could not, uh, when they did studies, they could not cause these babies to, to calm down because they had no inner foundation to draw from. Is that making sense? So when we turn this to our Father in us, He wants to, and this is what He's saying is, my heart of steadfast love will not be shaken. I love you, I love you, and that will never change. And I want this to get deep into your life so it cannot be shaken no matter what's going on in your world. He wants to fill us with such love and such affection that that there comes this deep foundation that no external noise can shake. So I say that the love of the Father has now been internalized and the child is now love safe. And see, that's what God wants to do to us. He wants to so fill us with his love through the word and through encounter. So, so for me as a young child, when I went through my stuff and you've been through yours, so I'm not some martyr, we've all had our stuff. But one of the things that God did for me is he began to take me through, it's like David-like encounters where I would put on... Scripture in song, for those that don't know, it was, it was like the, the Hillsong Planet Shakers of today, but it was just really, now it's really daggy. But, but in my time, you put on a cassette, cassettes are things with little ribbons in that the wheels go around and around. And, uh, 
that, actually, I saw some cassettes the other day for sale, and I would put that on at night, and, and the scripture would begin to minister to my heart. And what was happening is God's beginning to love me and create memories and, and cause me to feel accepted and loved. And what's happening is love's being internalized, so I become a safe son. Jesus described it this way in Luke 6, 47. He said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man who builds a house and dug deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And when the floods rise and the string beats against the house, it could not shake the house for it was founded on a rock. So if my inner world is not secure... I will live my life driven by external pressure and not led by internal revelation. You hear that? Yeah. If my inner world is not secure, I will live my life driven by external pressure and not internal revelation. My life has to be driven from this internal revelation. My father is so passionate about me. And no matter if all hell breaks loose, a thousand may die on one side and 10,000 on my other side, but it won't come near me because I have a revelation that my father loves me. He's got my back covered. He is for me, not against me. And even if people reject me, that's painful. But deeply etched in my life is I am convinced I have a calling and a destiny and my father is for me. So love's been internalized. If I easily fall apart, it's because my inner world cannot withstand the forces coming against me from outside. Did you hear that? If, if I'm easily falling apart under stress and pressure and circumstances, it's because my inner world can't withstand the forces coming against me. So the floods come down, and because I haven't built on a rock, the foundations are tested. And, and my friend, this is what's happening right now. You may see in the days to come people freaking out, and you thought they were full-on believers, but they haven't internalized love. It's been religious. It's been something that's come to church and read a few scriptures, but love hasn't been deeply etched in the heart and internalized. And when the floods come, not if, but when they come, if your house is built on a firm foundation, the floods will come and go and you'll still be standing because your house is built on a rock. So, and that's why I said before, most children don't realize that they're continuously gathering information throughout their life that's building a foundation for which they will view all of life. And I didn't realize, and obviously many of you didn't realize, things are coming in, circumstances, encounters with people of, of authority, whether it's a father or a mother or people, teacher, or whoever it was, and that they're shaping the way that we think. And we're not able to process that. So I, I, I don't know what's right or wrong. It's just like they've told me that, so it must be true. And so we build upon that foundation, and, and it's sinking sand. And love isn't internalized, and we're vulnerable. That's why I say identity is a spiritual issue and only can come from a revelation from the Father. Nobody else can tell me who I truly am except my Father in heaven. Identity is a spiritual issue. My spirit tells me who I am. My soul does not have the ability to define who I am. Man does not have the ability. So when uh, Benjamin was born, his mother wanted to call him Benoni, the son of my sorrow, but the father said, no way known. He is Benjamin, the son of my right hand. And the father in heaven will cancel out all the negative words and all the things that people have spoken over your life because he has a plan for your life. And nobody gets to call the shots over my life and define who I am or who you are except our Father in heaven. My spirit alone tells me who I am. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that, that it's, it's only the spirit of a man that knows the things of a man. So we're trying to define who we are based on all external circumstances rather than the Spirit of God. And that's why we've got to get before the Lord and allow Him to love us and speak to us and be the mirror to who we are. How can I see who I am without a mirror? See, you could tell me, Josh, that I look like a woman. 
You can tell me I have a fat face. You can tell me my nose is crooked. You can tell me my right ear is bigger than my left ear. You can tell me my hair's messy. Don't you laugh. He can tell me all those things. And I wouldn't know it's true unless I get a mirror and I look to see what is really true. And some of you have had people say that you've got big noses, left ears, right? All sorts of crazy things. And they've said all sorts of things about you. You don't measure up. You'll never be good. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. And it's a lie from the pit of hell because the mirror of God's word is the only thing that has the right to say who you are. And his word is like a spirit Entry, it's a gateway into the reality of who God is. His words are spirit and life. And as I come into his word and encounter his presence, I am sucked into a realm where the Father begins to unveil who I am. And I say, is that who I really am? He says, yes. This is what it means to draw deep inside my life a foundation of deep encounters with the Father where I come out the other side like King David and I know who I am. That's why he could take on Goliath because he had developed an identity in the wilderness with the sheep and he walked out. See, all the other Israelites had no identity. And when the pressure came, they, they stood in ranks. They went out in battle formation every day. They came out in battle formation every day. But not one of them would take on Goliath. It's like a picture sometimes of the church and of the world where there's a whole lot of activity. But when the pressure comes on, who has identity to stand up and say, I will fight for my God. I know who I am. I don't need some other man's armor. I know who God's made me to be. That's what gave David power. The enemy knows whether you're living an authentic life. God knows. And when you come in, see, it's the authentic life when you know who you are. That's what gives your anointing and authority. There's no anointing on a false identity. If you live under someone else's identity, there is zero anointing in that. But when you discover who you are and what God's made you be, there is a tremendous anointing that comes upon a man or a woman that knows who they are in God. Are you hearing this? Because now there's a divine echo between heaven and earth. There is an amen in heaven and amen on earth. That there's a two coming together because I am now linked into God's divine identity. It's like many people are walking on different paths to what God has set. God has called them to be this and they're over here. And it's when the paths come together and there's a joining together, the two become one flesh. There's productivity and fruitfulness. I've never preached in a whole chapter before. This is really exciting. I've broken every rule I can think of. Afflicted city, lashed by storms, and not comforted. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise and foundations of sapphires. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels. I will make all your walls of precious stones. And I say, bring it on, Lord, gold, silver, turquoise, sapphires. What's he saying? I'm going to rebuild you and restore you with the best of materials. You know, you've been broken and, and, and chucked out. But when I rebuild you, I'm going to rebuild you with the greatest products I can find. Everything about you is going to shine. I'm going to give you a new name and a new nature. You won't recognize what you were. You may have been brought up in a shack. You may feel like you're a little hut with a bit of straw and a dirt floor. But when God gets a hold of a man or woman, he rebuilds that man and a woman so they take on the very image of God. See, when in the throne room of heaven, there's no straw, there's no bronze, there's sapphire, there's gold, there's silver. Emanating from God is such worth and glory. And he says, when I rebuild you, you will shine with the glory and the image of who I am. That's what he promises here. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Everything that you birth from now on is going to be a revelation of who you are. And great will be their peace and prosperity. So I'm now going to birth things, people under me, and they will carry the same DNA of the Holy Ghost and they will be prosperous and whole. See, see God is wanting a generation of whole people that produce whole people. All your children will be taught by the Lord. They will hear like you hear. They won't respond out of pain. There won't be a whole generation, a cycle of this. But there'll be wholeness and wholeness and wholeness. Amen. Come on. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. In righteousness, you'll be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You'll have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you.
God is constantly relating to us out of our new nature. This is what 11 to 14 is all about. That's what he sees about us. Oh, but I'm, I'm just this little heart. You know, I've got, oh, I've got so many problems, so broken. Now, that may be true that you are broken, but it's not that you deny that. You just don't own it. Yeah. Did you hear that? He says, I'm going to relate to you out of your new nature. So here's the thing. Here's a big key for people. God is only talking to the Jesus that is in you. Because the Bible says that you died and your life is hidden in Christ. So God is not talking to the old you. He's talking to the new you. So why is that so important? I say it's important because this is a very conversation that you need, you need to tune in to the language of the Father. He's talking to the Christ in you. This is what the scripture is about in Isaiah. Sometimes we're not hearing God because we're listening for the wrong thing. He's rebuilding us with sapphire and gold and silver. And we're, we're listening for God. I'm angry at you. I'm fed up with you. Why aren't you measure up? See, we're tuned in to old patterns, to, to what the soul used to perceive before. We're so used to the soul defining who we are, we're listening to all the reactions of our soul because it's programmed for pain. And God's not speaking to us through our soul. He's speaking spirit to spirit. And when God speaks, this is the way he speaks. You ready? The fruit of the spirit is the language of the Father. We thought it's... it's here, this is where most Christians, I, I think, mess it up. We think the fruit of the Spirit is something we have to conjure up so God's happy with us. Yeah. Love, joy, peace. Right. I've got to be more loving. I've got to be more joyful. I've got to have more self-control, more gentleness. Ugh. No! This is the language that God speaks to us in. So when I tune into love and I let God love me in his voice, then the fruit of love God speaks to me in the fruit of peace and gentleness. God has self-control. What does that mean? He's not fed up with me. Great is your faithfulness. God is so patient. I tell you what, if God's been patient with anyone, it's been with me. How patient. God, it's me again. I've done it again. You know that sin I told you about last week? Well, I've done it again. It's okay, Andrew. We can deal with that. Let me wash you. Let me clean you up. Let's go again. Lord, it's me again. He talks to me in the fruit of the Spirit. And that voice empowers me to partner with my new self. Did you hear that? That voice empowers me to partner with my new self. Too many people are partnering with their old self and listening to a wrong voice. And we wonder why we don't become whole because we are tuned in to a voice that God's not using. And if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to. See, it's I who creates the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it's I who create the destroyer to wreak havoc. Oh, what's that about? So, Lord, you're, you're creating the enemy that beats me up. No, he's saying, I'm your father and I love you. And understand this, that all the enemies that come against you, I have authority over you. I am the creator of the heavens and the earth. Yeah. And whether it's on the earth, whether it's in the spirit realm, whether it's an attack on your soul, I have authority over that. And you need to understand I am for you and we are going to win together. He says, no weapon formed against you all the lies of the enemy will prevail. And you now have the power to refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me. In other words, he's saying, you now begin to speak what I tell you. And as you begin to speak what I'm saying to you, that I love you, that I'm for you, as you begin to speak those words, even when your soul says, I don't feel it, I don't believe it, I don't see it, 
You just begin to speak what I'm saying spirit to spirit. You get into my word as a mirror and you begin to echo the voice of God. And as you speak, I will begin to work. He says that here. He says, you will refute every tongue. So you've got to do something tonight. If you want wholeness in your life, you've got to begin to articulate the way the Father speaks to you. Stop speaking negativity. Stop speaking the language of the soul that's broken and begin to articulate, I am the one that Father loves. If Father had to look at anyone on the earth, he would stop at me. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the, all the earth looking for Andrew McGrath. And here I am, Lord. You say, how can you say that? Because that's what the Word of God says. He's chosen me. I'm the apple of his eye. And I begin to articulate that and speak that. And all of a sudden, rejection that had a hold over me, God begins to, he says, I, I will take care of that. Vindication's from me. I will, I will vindicate. I will deal with your enemies. This spirit of rejection that's come against you, you keep affirming how much you're accepted by the Father, and I will begin to tear down all the things that have come against you. When rejection comes, when you feel like there's an army against you, don't focus on that. Begin to affirm yourself in the way the Father sees you, and I will take care of the enemy in your life. No weapon can prevail against me. Not because I'm holy or perfect, but because Jesus has made me righteous and I am a son, a saved son, and now I'm becoming a safe son. I have come to a place where Father is so working in my life that love has been internalized. Babies, where their mother was removed, could self-soothe in times of pressure. So, so listen, when it seems like God is far away because of circumstances and everything looks bleak, we have this ability to find the Father inside Amen. who abides in the secret place. We begin to nestle under the wings of the Father and the storm goes over the top and we come out the other side because love has been internalized in our hearts. A safe son, a saved son. That invitation is for you tonight to internalize the love of the Father because his love is towards you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And all he asks us to do is to bring our brokenness and our pain and our dysfunctions and lay it before him and say, Father, would you begin to speak into this? Would you wash away all the dysfunction in my life with the power of your love? Would you make me a safe son? Would you cause love to be so internalized in me that I become like the house on the rock Amen. and not like the house on the sand that's so subject to change? Strengthen me in your love, I pray. So would you lift your hands with me tonight? I want you to picture now a loving father. For some it's easy, for some it's harder, but just picture as best you can a loving father, the father who loves you. He's in heaven and surrounding his throne is the, is the rainbow of tender mercies and kindness. He is so, so kind and so gentle and so affirming. And he just wants to tell you tonight, despite what others have said, what you have said, and even what the enemy said, God is for you. He has accepted you. And he loves you. And we ask tonight that you would cause this truth to be so internalized in our inner world that nothing could shake us. Would you touch us, Father, with your love? Would you bring your wholeness? You said, Lord, be holy as I am holy. And we know that means that you are whole, so we should be whole. Your holiness is your wholeness. And would you pour out your wholeness upon us till every fiber of our being is made whole? We ask in Jesus' name. 
heal any place of brokenness or pain in our life. We surrender all our brokenness to you. And why don't you do that right now? Any area where Father is speaking to you, says, you know, that doesn't belong. I never said that about you. Who, who, why have you taken that on? Why have you accepted that? Any area where we feel like the Father's voicing, we, we surrender that to him and say, Lord, heal that. I give it to you. Make me whole. Release your love in my life. And Lord, even in times of shaking and uncertainty, let me be established in your love. You said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Our trust is in you tonight. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you've accepted us and that you love us. So right now, I ask, Holy Spirit, you said you would come and you would shed abroad, you would dis dispense into our hearts the love of the Father. You make real this truth tonight. So right now, just open your hearts up. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you, by your power, would release a fresh dimension of the love of Father into every heart right now. And I want you to just begin to receive that. Lord, from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, establish them in love, in love. I receive your love tonight, Father. I receive your love. I receive your love. I receive your love. I receive your love. And we just break every lie that's been spoken over people. I break every accusation. I break rejection. I break fear and torment. I break this lack of affection that's been over people. Lack of affirmation we break in Jesus' name. And we say, Lord, that we are affirmed and loved and accepted by you. We thank you for that tonight, Lord God that you are able to heal the deepest wounds. You are able to make us whole. And you promised in Isaiah 54 that you would rebuild us with the most precious stones and we would be to the praise of your glory. We thank you for that now. In Jesus' name.